ACCA, the world's most forward-thinking professional accountancy body. Hello and welcome to ACCA Me Talks Student Focused. I'm your host, Tahir Tapasi, Regional Education Manager at ACCA Middle East. In modern educational systems, learners are expected to possess an increased degree of autonomy and true initiative in learning processes, inspecting learning materials and understanding content. An efficient growth of knowledge inside and outside of classroom is only possible if students have skills which initiate, guide and control the search for information and later its processing and storage. In learning and teaching research, those techniques are called learning strategies. The term learning strategies do not describe one uniform scientific concept. It rather summarizes various concepts of different research groups that have been conducted over decades now. In today's session, we are focusing on how students can further develop their learning strategies to enhance the way they consume knowledge on the path to achieving their career and development goals. Joining me for this exciting discussion are Nikki Parks, Regional Head of Education for MISA here at ACCA, Natalie Al-Samarai, Head of ACCA at Kaplan Professional Middle East, also one of our approved learning partners, and Pooja Vaswani, a current ACCA student. So hello and welcome everyone. So Nikki, let's get straight into talking about learning strategies. Now, in your view, why are they so important and why should they be thought? Thanks, Tahir. So, so to your earlier point, um, there's lots of different ways in which to define learning strategies. But in essence, all these can be described as specific strategies or processes to aid learning. And it is important that they're taught because depending on where a learner is in their journey, these strategies can help learners improve their reading, writing, analysis and problem solving skills. Um, and I quite like this definition from Shoemaker and Deschler. Simply put, a learning strategy is an individual's approach to complete a task. Or more specifically, a learning strategy is an individual's way of organising and using a particular set of skills in order to learn a concept or accomplish other tasks more effectively and efficiently. Now, strategies are important as they can help learners to begin understanding the process of learning and they help us to manage our areas of weakness and play to our strengths and ultimately perform well. Individuals are able to choose and effectively employ the appropriate technique to accomplish tasks or meet specific learning goals. And the use of the right learning strategy can help students become more effective learners and encourage independent learning. And as we know, um, learning starts at a young age, usually from school. And as learners progress through their learning and development stages, they begin to become more and more aware of their learning preferences and choices. And whilst, of course, there are natural choices a learner will make, it's important to continually keep instilling best practices into learning journeys to help learners understand the tried and tested strategies available to them and to continue to help individuals grow their awareness of what works for them. It's also important for educational institutions to ensure they're preparing students to learn and absorb knowledge in the best possible way understanding that individuals all respond differently to different styles. So adapting styles for individuals as much as is possible will likely result in a more positive outcome for everyone. I like how you've um, really simplified the, the definition of learning strategy and summarized that learning does begin from an you know, early age. So again, thinking about learning strategies, 
what do you think are some of the most used strategies by the modern day learners? Well, there are a number of different strategies which learners can now adopt. And I think you alluded to that earlier on. So some of our students listening today may have also listened to ACCA student accountant podcast from September last year. And actually, this was with Stuart Pedley Smith from Kaplan Financial, which I'm sure is a familiar name. Um, and he actually talked through six types of learning strategies, which I'll just I'll just summarise really briefly now. Now, most relate to learning, acquiring knowledge and understanding, but there's also an important focus on an effective strategy for exam success, um, what you need for the exam, and then, of course, how to be successful in that. So first of all, he talked about spaced practice, and this is the idea that you break study up. And actually, um, the way he summarised it was the opposite of cramming, which is quite a useful way to think about it. And to do this, you need to create a realistic plan for the work that you need to do to get you through to the exam. We then move on to interleaving. That's the idea of swapping from one topic to another. And in the ACTA context, if a student has, for example, entered for more than one exam, this may mean studying one paper for an hour or so and then having a break and moving on to another paper or another topic. Um, and this works because it is deliberately difficult. Um, so more effort is required in, in this manner of study. But it can therefore be really effective. The third um, strategy that Stuart talked about was elaboration. And this refers to something you know already. Um, and elaborating and building on existing knowledge. So you're creating an association. You get people to elaborate and reflect on that existing information. And that helps really with anchoring on the existing knowledge you may have. And then we move on to the idea of concrete examples. And this is the sense that you help to paint a, a concept into something tangible, which is much easier for our brains to remember, turning ideas you're learning into concrete examples. And then we move on to dual coding, which is really about combining words and visuals such as pictures and diagrams to provide two different representations of the information. So both a visual representation and a verbal representation to help learners understand the information. So, for example, um, helping to really visualise the case study in your SPL exam um, you could try and visualise the scenario whilst preparing for the exam, which should help you tackling the questions on the day. And then finally, there's the notion of retrieval practice. So this is really the idea of practising or retrieving information and pulling it up from your memory. So essentially, this is question practice, which we know is hard, but it does work. And this is actually backed up by our ACCA prize winners as a top tip. And if you listen to that podcast that I referred to earlier, you'll hear them talk about that. Um, and of course, it's a crucial part of the preparation for the ACCA exams. Um, and we we do have the excellent practice platform to support um, students with this. So I would really recommend anyone interested in learning on a, a bit more about those strategies I just talked through. Do listen to that earlier student accountant podcast, which I'm sure we'll link to so that we can find it easily. And then in addition to those strategies, there are, of course, lots of studies on different learning styles. So the idea that different brains will sometimes respond better to different styles of learning. So if you can understand why you learn the way you do, your ability to learn can vastly improve. And of course, there's no right or wrong ways to learn. However, it can be very useful to reflect on how you do find it most easy to remember and absorb information. So this could lead you to consider flexing your approach to learning according to your preferred learning style. And nowadays we'd expect to see learners and of course educators taking a diverse and a personalised approach, adopting a number of different strategies to help deliver the best outcomes.
And then the final point, which I'll end on, is that from an ACCA perspective, is regardless of your particular learning style or the particular strategy you may want to employ, it's really critical that you have a study plan. But the plan needs to be realistic and work backwards from the exam day. And the plan should recognise when you're able to study and the time you need for other things, so family commitments, work, exercise, whatever it might be. Having a plan or a journey mapped out should help you visualise your path towards specific exams and positive outcomes. And we'd, of course, always recommend building in practice tests uh, using the ACCA practice platform as part of your study plan. And some really valid points there. I mean, listening to you, I could you know, go back in the days when I used to study for my ACCA exams and, and certainly subconsciously or, you know, consciously applied uh, some of these techniques, definitely the, the space practice as well as the concrete examples. Naturally, again, sticking to the, the, the theme of our, our conversation today, more so wanting to hear your views as well as from Kaplan's point of view, why should learning strategies be thought and what do you say our overall principle of effective guided learning. Okay, hi, thanks for having us today, Taha, and thank you, Nikki, for such a comprehensive review and also for bringing in a lot of the Stuart Pedley Smith um, ideas that obviously underpin a lot of the Kaplan um, methodology that we use as a, as a training provider. Um, and I want to start answering this question and building on what you've said, because I think there's two parts to the fact that why strategies need to be need to be taught now. Um, and I think the first one is the fact that we can't assume that people know how to learn. Um, we have content to learn but the way that the brain will understand and store that knowledge is something very different and that's important for training providers to, to bring into their pedagogy when they are delivering the content. And I think the second part of that is the fact that now obviously we're living in, in COVID times, things are very different. We're experiencing a lot of stress at work and as training providers, we need to realise that we need to provide a lot more support in that process as part of the learning journey. And we can do that with the strategy and the structure around some of the ideas that you've already discussed. So coming back to effective guided learning, this comes to the point that as a teacher, as a tutor, as a trainer, for someone who's done this for, for 13 years, and I've done various teaching qualifications in my career, it's very important um, that we provide a, a very carefully driven plan for each learner to bridge that gap between the classroom and uh, what work they do once they leave um, with the ultimate goal of, of passing the, the exam overall. Uh, and that does vary, like you said, Nikki, people come in with exemptions, they have different competencies, they have different learning styles. And as tutors, we need to make sure that we build in homeworks assessments with real time feedback so that we can guide that towards the ultimate goal and give feedback in a, in a timely manner. So it's about adapting, especially in, in the current environment that we have. Um, and you, you touched upon the learning styles. Uh, visual learners, for example, will perform better if they have information like, that are quite pictorial, like arrow, arrows and charts and diagrams programs um, rather than just uh, just talking at them. They're more auditory learners. So again, as educators, we can sometimes think that students that don't take notes are maybe perhaps disengaged in the process, um, but that is not the case. We just need to respond that they are processing and storing information differently. 
Um, so as my role, I, I like you, you touched on SBL and the exam technique um, in, in, in your answer. Uh, and I've been teaching um, SBL for a little while now, P3 before, and definitely as a, as a trainer, it's about facilitating it and guiding the student to, to having the tools to answer a question rather than to just teach them an answer, especially at that final level of strategic professional for, for ACCA. So um, obviously with, with Stuart Pedley Smith's um, techniques that underpin our pedagogy that we use in our material at Kaplan um, and the way that the tutors are trained, um, I'm ex-Kaplan ex in the UK and you know, the way that the training is is put over to the tutors, it's very much about teaching techniques, for example, like scaffolding, which is a, a very well-known technique in teaching, where we try and connect prior learning that they have learned earlier in their ACCA qualification to being able to approach that, that final case study. So um, it's very interesting for me when a student comes on a four day revision course and perhaps they're quite daunted on day one uh, approaching that, that four hour exam and that 16 page case study. Um, and it's about teaching them the, the, the tools and techniques um, and allowing them to have that freedom to find the answer themselves, perhaps with me modelling more to start with and then releasing that guidance as we go through the revision course and just to see their confidence bloom by the time they get to the last day that they're able to attempt that exam in a very autonomous fashion without me uh, needed on exam day because obviously I can't be there myself but they have that confidence to solve that problem um, on their own and I think that's really the, the the ultimate aim as a trainer within guided learning that they're given those tools to to deliver success no matter what competencies or background that they've had. On some very um, critical points that from a student's perspective it is important it is important to be able to you know benefit from some guided you know effective guided learning and you know having supported by a qualified tutor makes a massive difference so from a from a tutor's perspective you know we've we've taken on board a lot of these points but from a from a learner's perspective now in your view what are some of the best practices that students today could adopt you know while attending classes you know with 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 uh, proficient and qualified tutors I think it, this is a really interesting question and I, I'm going to break my answer down into three pillars of learning, which is basically how I underpin my own teaching and as head of product, um, the information that I spread amongst the, the, the tutor team as part of the training process that we go through. Um, and the first pillar is how we look at understanding the concept and in any training organisation, it's important that we look at how we break down the concepts. Now, again, all of this is built on what Nikki has said in the research that Stuart Pedley Smith is the head of learning of Kaplan in the UK has done over 20 years. Um, I, I can't really claim credit for too much of this. He's done all the, all the research. Um, but you know, it's very important on how we break down the concepts to make them easier. So, And that actually scientifically is proven and your brain learns it better by breaking it down and making it simple. So for example, one of the things that I do in my own teaching for SBL is I use a lot of company examples. And, and as you both know, Nikki and Taha, there's a lot of um, theory and models that we have to learn in there. And um, sometimes students can feel overwhelmed by that. So having company examples that you can relate to, again, bridge that gap between um, the, the theoretical and the application part for the exam. So just try and think about company examples or any example to make your brain understand that, that process and that, that, that information easier. 
Um, also, you know, you, when you read big textbooks, we tend not to teach from textbooks as uh, providers because you're just overwhelmed. You have a diagram sometimes, an explanation. Um, and the key tip that I would say is take the answer to the to the question you're looking for and then don't get overwhelmed with all the detail because it, it's, it just maxes out your brain and you, and you, um, you don't you don't learn as well and try and try and create questions for what you're reading and, and your brain learns better by asking yourself questions um, to consolidate that information. Um, one of the things which has moved away, I guess, from the traditional lecturing in a, in a classroom where the tutor stands at the front and just dictates what's going on is something that I, I like to bring into my own revision classes. And this is the idea of a flip classroom. So obviously in um, a revision situation, we do, it's all about application, you know, to be able to pass the ACC exams. So what we will do at Kaplan is we will make sure that the students are able to look through some of the theory before they come into the classroom. So some of that learning can be done outside so again they come into the classroom in a in a very empowered way to be able to apply to the question involved um, and then they're asking us questions and they are building their knowledge and again like I explained to start with moving towards this autonomous approach to the exam where they where they don't need me anymore so that's the couple of tips that I would have for uh, for understanding Memory technique, you, you've, you've already talked about space to practice there, Nikki, um, and we, we all know that cramming doesn't work um, and we all know that you, you benefit a lot more um, by spacing your revision during one hour for seven days than seven hours on, on one day before the exam. That doesn't lead to success. So um, it's about making sure you, you have this plan, like you said, to um, split your, your learning. So perhaps you might be doing FR and tax. So you study your FR, say on a Sunday, maybe have that night off, do TX the next day on the Monday, but then study FR that night and then do tax the next night. So you are spacing your practice between your class and your home study so that you, again, that in line with what Stuart Pedley Smith has, has researched over the years, your brain is actually retaining more information. This goes into sort of note taking as well. And, and I think as students, we, we like to try and think about how we can retain all this information. And there's two different types of students. They either write everything down that you say verbatim, uh, or they write nothing down <laughs> and they just hope that it goes in via of osmosis. Um, and there's lots of techniques out there that you can do. And one of the things that I would advise is it's a very famous technique called the Cornell method, where you do your best to, to write down um, what the, the, the tutor has um, talked about with you um, in, a, in a simplified way that makes sense to you. But then at the end of the class, you do some summarization at that stage um, and also picking out um, certain key information. Maybe it's a ratio, maybe it's a key fact, and then writing yourself questions that you can then ask yourself back in revision, like self-testing. Now, this saves a lot of time for when you do your revision phase because you don't have to rewrite out the whole thing again. And again, it's about this not cramming, this spaced practice, and you, you do it without realising it. So you can even look at the process behind your note taking as well. In terms of exam technique, we, you also touched on that, Nikki, as well. You mentioned question practice, and that is indeed part of the retrieval practice. And as much as students don't like it, uh, forcing your brain to actually practice and apply that information is, again, connecting the, the, the movement between tuition revision and ultimately passing the exam. So it's a very important stage of learning for that question practice. 
look to prioritize. Uh, we call it the low hanging fruit or the uh, do the simple bits first in, in questions. Um, and then you can look to get those easy marks and then move towards um, the harder marks um, if you have time or you know as your ability um, allows for. So that's another thing when you do the exam questions with exam technique, try and try and get what you can first and then go for the harder marks later. And then lastly here, which I, I think I find myself talking about a lot in, in all of my classes, is the, the importance of time management. Um, and it's important for a tutor to be able to give you those tools to be able to get through the exam. Um, so it's about dividing your, your time over the questions. And ever since I was a student at Kaplan many years ago, it, research has shown that um, you actually get more marks um, by moving on to the next question in your professional exams than you do hanging out for that last five minutes, desperately trying to get those last marks. Uh, you think you're getting more marks, but you're actually missing that easy, low hanging fruit on the next question, which is going to really benefit you. But we've all been there. I know how you feel. You, you, you're midway through a question you're desperate to carry on but it's those sorts of techniques which can sometimes take you between a, a 49 and a 51 so um that would they would be my uh, my main tips for that time reflecting back again on my learning journey i i could i could clearly see how being curious being you know asking yourself questions being able to summarize things and and constantly reinforcing time and again that learning that you've been given in class in form of you know question practice etc has truly helped me you know succeed with with all of my ACCA exams so we've heard from Nikki and Natalie um, Pooja coming to you now let's talk about how your personal learning style has evolved and how have you seen the ways in which you prefer to learn change or transition from the time you were at school to the time when you went to university and now with ACCA as you sit for your professional qualification exams? Uh, thank you so much, Saha, for, for your question. I definitely feel like my personal learning style has evolved over the times because like initially when I was in school, I would be like, OK, I just have to listen to my teacher and that's it. I got it. But then I realized over time this is clearly not how it works. It doesn't help me. Well, it might help someone else, but it's not how it helps me. Like I've realized that taking detailed notes helped me learn better. And I think, as Natalie mentioned, you know, breaking down the concepts would also help better. So I would take detailed notes, write it down. I've noticed that it has improved, like, you know, my grades are studying better, even my focus. Then I've also realized practicing questions, which is very, very, very important. I didn't give it any importance for the longest time ever because I'm like, oh, I'm studying the topic and that's it. But then when you like practice the questions, it helped me understand my strengths and weaknesses much better. Um, so whenever like I study for my ACC exams, I try and make sure to practice questions. I'm a visual learner, so I do use a lot of flashcards, memory aids, group learning also really helps me. And as Natalie mentioned before also, and you mentioned as well, that you should be very curious and try to question because we are here to learn, not just give our exams and pass. So like questioning and being curious is again, what helps you deepen your knowledge better and then helps you stay focused more as well. Interestingly, all three of our speakers today have, you know, pointed out to the same the same thing, which is practicing questions. And I think that is testament enough to to tell our audiences that the importance of practicing exam style questions under exam condition is hugely important. You know, 
we've got RCB practice platform, which Nikki has already pointed out at, and I think we can't keep, you know, emphasizing the the importance of question practice enough. So this is a huge, I think, key takeaway from all of our listeners from today's discussion. So again, coming back to you, Pooja, what in your opinion would be your top tips that you'd like to share with our listeners today on adopting an effective learning strategy or even understanding their own learning styles? Okay, so the first thing I would say is you have to identify your learning style because if you don't know your learning style, you're, you might put in all the effort and all the hard work, but you might not understand anything. So there are different learning styles as mentioned. So some people like to learn by reading, some people prefer writing, some would listen. So it is really important to understand what type of a learner you are. It could be auditorial, visual, kinesthetic learner, and you have to build on it. So like personally for me, I'm a visual learner. So I would like draw mind maps, flow charts. I would color coordinate stuff. So I remember for my taxation exam, we were given a few formulas, which was already mentioned. I would still write that in my notes, but probably using like a green color. But then some formulas that I had to learn, I would put it in a red color. So even when I was doing my exam, I would remember, oh, I had written that in red and I have to do it that way. So that's for me. But I remember one of my friends was an auditory learner. He would record what the teacher would say and luckily nowadays you can we have recorded classes i tried that it didn't work for me i ended up wasting hours and hours so i'm like let me listen i would replay it but i used to just be stuck so try and identify your learning style what helps you learn better uh, so if you're like an auditory learner it's best to take tuitions from professional lecturers and attend all of their classes um, there are also like softwares that read out plain text to you, which could help you. So just try and understand your learning style and follow that. And once you have got the knowledge, keep reinforcing it with constant revision. I think revision is key. You should keep revising topics because you might understand everything. You might know it, but you might forget it towards the end. So keep revising, I would say, and do practice exams and everything as previously mentioned. Self-awareness is hugely important, and thanks for pointing that out, Pooja. You know, understanding your own learning preference, your own learning style, you know, whether it is visual, whether it is, you know, auditory learning is hugely important. So for many years, emotions were considered something that got in the way of learning, effectively disrupting the efficiency but it is now also believed that emotion has a substantial influence on cognitive processes, including perception, attention, memory, reasoning, and problem solving. So Natalie, given the recent disruptions students have experienced, how do you see emotions and mental well-being playing out in reference to the impact on learning? Yeah, Taha, I think this is again going back to how I started my answer today about the, the move because of COVID to online learning. Um, and I think historically one of the, the most the brilliant things about my job and, and the, the brilliant thing about learning um, is that we had quite um, electric, interactive face-to-face -face sessions where we could all feel involved and we could all bounce up questions off of each other. Um, and that was a massive part of how we, we grew as learners and we made progress towards the exam success. And now if we look what's happened over the last uh, year to 18 months we're all stuck at home we're all stuck behind our screens um, whether that's for work whether that's for study it, there's 
there's it's just reduced our focus really and maybe our motivation towards the end goal um and obviously just other things that have gone on we were in lockdown for a very long time obviously in different states throughout the world that's generally affected mental health separate to any exam stress put on top of that um, people can't take breaks they can't go to see their friends at college um, so there's a lot of built-up stress and as learning providers I don't think that we can assume that that's just going to go away um, and so we again like I mentioned before we need to appreciate that students need ex extra support extra things to look forward to um, one of the things that we did last week actually to celebrate it break a cap plan that the ACCA exams were over is we took our students to top golf which anybody listening I would recommend because it was absolute great fun and the students really enjoyed it um, and it was just a really nice way to say you know thanks for all your hard work and you know best of luck for the next chapter wherever that you know takes you so I think the takeaway for this and and the best thing I can sort of say of the impact for learning in the future is online is not going away and the fact that we need to make sure the journey is fun uh, and at Kaplan we do that by putting like the activities in the course movie nights team building activities pizza for revision and stuff just so that you know we, we manage that mental well-being as well as obviously progressing towards ACCA success absolutely critical um, Natalie and and a lot of these things were also covered on our previous podcast. So, you know, for anybody that is keen on understanding some of the first-hand challenges around, you know, being or learning in a digital sphere or in an online environment, you know, that would be another one for you to listen to. But these are some very, very critical points. You know, mental well-being is absolutely important and how we feel has a huge impact on, you know, what we do towards our progression goals, etc. So, your top tips, Natalie, on how should students ensure they keep their you know, sanity levels in check so their learning journey is not disrupted? What do they need to do effectively to overcome some of these immediate obstacles? Well, one of the things I think that links back to what Nikki said is the fact that the importance of a plan. Um, so I think that manages your set your sanity because of, you don't allow stress and uncertainty to build in. So uh, this could be daily, weekly, monthly. But I think if you manage your topics, you split your goals, you then you obviously you interact with your tutor, you can just feel less overwhelmed. Um, and one of the things that I benefited for, I think, when I was learning myself years ago is I had a study buddy and I said that, you know, that was easier when it was face to face but now thanks to technology like for example we have um, the whatsapp groups at Kaplan we have other interactive sessions so even if you're an online learner you still get that chance to interact and be part of a team um, and definitely from a tutor point of view we try and foster this culture of team no matter whether we're face to face or whether we're online so I think I would I'd get somebody to go through it with so you still have that connection and that motivation and that drive because I know for, from a personal point of view um, my study buddies if they were going to pass I was definitely going to pass as well and we were going to work towards success together and that kept us going in some difficult times so yeah I'd recommend that um, make sure any plan you have involves breaks you know I've had some students that work as well as studying and that is I remember it well it's incredibly hard you go from work to study work to study work to study and there's no time for a break and I think we need to reckon recognize how important that is you might like sport you might like listening to music you might just want a cup of coffee or uh, a tea whatever it is I think you need to build that in just to do something that you love to relax 
Um, and I think that sort of leads into looking after yourself. I mean, there's lots of research that shows that drinking water, something as simple as that, um, and I'm guilty of probably not doing this myself sometimes, but you know, you're busy, aren't you? Um, but I think drinking water is actually linked to increased concentration, and we all need that for, for any type of exam that we're doing. Um, and then lastly, sleep. Um, I, again, this is something that which I sometimes fall foul of myself, but we need to be more careful to look after ourselves, and that's using your laptop or your phone just before you go to bed. And I think it can be really tempting as, as learners or workers just to send that last email or just do that last question or revise that last topic. Um, and some of the some of the advice that's on the the Sleep Foundation website is, you know, even if you have to do that, then maybe think about. Um, changing your your um, your terminal into like a night mode uh, just so that it's less strain on your eyes so that you know you are reducing that that chance of not being able to fall asleep and so it's, it's easier for you to rest when you finished whatever study or work that you're doing so um, yeah they, they would be my my tips but obviously difficult circumstances at, at the moment for us to navigate through so I think generally students are just doing very well at the moment to, to cope with everything going on. Thank you, Natalie. And and certainly mental well-being is hugely important. And, and the fact that people at times fail to realize the importance of the underlying effects of those in their day to day lives is huge. So, you know, yep, keeping yourself hydrated, getting good sleep as well as, you know, having you know regular exercises would definitely help people keep on track particularly as we find ourselves stuck in front of a screen you know pretty much the whole day you know whether it is working or whether it is trying to study on an you know virtual online classroom environment finally i'd like to hear views from nikki and puja now we'll start with nikki nikki what's your advice to ensure students learning is minimally disrupted in in this day and age given everything that you know students have been experiencing over the last year or so yeah thanks tahan and really interesting um points from natalie there uh, especially around sort of protecting mental health um, in terms of minimal um, disruptions, for me, I think this probably goes back to um, something we've all touched on, which is the idea of a study plan, but one that is realistic. So, you know, I certainly remember uh, being at school and, you know, revising for exams and spending hours and hours creating the most perfect schedule, but there was never any chance I was ever going to stick to that <laughs> because it was totally unrealistic. So I think there is something about creating a plan so that you've got that clear road towards your exam, but it has to be kind of cognizant of all the other things in your life. So whether that's the fact that you're uh, working or the fact that you actually really do need to make sure you take time out for the, from a mental health perspective to do the things that mean a lot to you, whether that's exercise or whether you've got family commitments, I think having a plan really will help support you in terms of minimising those um, disruptions. But I also think mindset's really important. So trying to maintain a positive but a flexible attitude um, so if you find yourself kind of veering off track um, you don't lose hope but you're able to re reorientate yourself and get back on track and sometimes setting yourself really small but achievable goals is a really good way to keep motivated and to remain positive about what you're trying to achieve so I think it, it does link very much back to that sort of sanity and mental health point as well set yourself for realistic goals and expectations and, and try and keep that positive but flexible mindset and Pooja finally your views so like as Nikki and Natalie said keeping a plan is very important and especially staying committed to it 
because you might make a plan, but if you don't follow it, it's going to demotivate you even further. So staying committed to your plans is super important. So what I would do with this technique, it was called eat the frog technique. I would create a plan of throughout the day what I would do, trying and putting the hardest thing in the front because when you try and achieve something which you might think is hard, the rest of the tasks definitely seem much easier. So whenever you keep make your plan, try and keep all these things in mind. Also, as I think Nikki previously mentioned, sleep is very important. Your mental health is very important. There is no point of staying up all night when you can only be productive for one hour throughout the night. You would rather have a good night's sleep, get up the next day morning and practice. Mental health is super important. So just try and stay committed to your plans and definitely make realistic plans because if you don't follow them, it's definitely going to demotivate you further. This is definitely a very, very interesting discussion today we've had. And I would like to personally take this opportunity to thank all three of you for your you know valuable contribution to this key takeaways from the from the discussions and and largely coming from the three of you you know things like identifying your own learning strategies you know identify what sort of a learner you are and how do you prefer to learn and and then start working on that you know whether it is like puja mentioned you know coloring color coding things or you know doing mind maps to being somebody who's an auditory would like to listen and basically use a dictator phone or something that could help record your tutor and then listen in your free time are, are quite key. And once you've established that, you know, having a plan, draft yourself a plan of study, set yourself shorter goals, work towards it, stay committed to it, you know, stick to the plan. Practicing is important, you know, constantly reinforcing your learning. Question practice again is huge key and above everything else, you know, keeping your mental well-being and your, your motivation up at all times is also a huge important factor when preparing for your exams. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, the term learning strategies does not describe one uniform scientific concept. It rather summarizes various concepts of different research groups that have been conducted over decades now. It's important that in today's world, given the learning expectations placed upon your shoulders, that understanding your preferential learning strategy is key alongside how to manage your own emotional and mental well-being. The ACCA Student Resources Hub has many useful articles and snippets of information, all designed to support your learning journey. Continue to stay focused, find the learning strategy that's right for you, and most of all, ensure you maintain a healthy study life balance. Once again, many thanks to all my guests on today's session. Special thanks to ACCA production teams. Join us next time on ACCA Me Talks Student Focus. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by ACCA. Find out how we think ahead at accaglobal.com.